Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And this week we're going to be recapping the 2023 Netflix original Love at First Sight starring Ben Hardy, Haley Lou Richardson, and Jamila Jamil. Jamila Jamil is a goddess. She was in The Good Place. Yeah, she played, I forget the character's name, but she played that really beautiful, dark-haired girl. She, in this movie, she plays the narrator. She's everywhere. Yeah, she plays the narrator, and it seems, we're never told this, but it seems that the narrator is fate. It's like those invisible strings that are pulling people a little bit this way, a little bit that way until they meet. She is the puppet master. She's the puppet master. I have to say this movie was a little too adorable for it to be cold and gloomy outside. Okay, I just wasn't ready to feel things, Courtney. This movie just gave me all of the warm fuzzies. And I feel like I needed warm fuzzies today. So this... I'm, I have no apologies. I have no regrets. <laughs> and you're welcome. The movie begins with a 20-year-old girl, Hadley Sullivan. She is running through the airport trying to catch her flight. Yes. Unfortunately for Hadley, she didn't run fast enough. And she misses her flight to London by four minutes. Four minutes. I mean, you know the plane has not taken off yet. She gets to stand at the window at the terminal and watch her plane pull away from the gate and leave. (laughs) I just don't understand why they can't let people on the plane. Four minutes? Come on. There should be a grace window. But you know the problem is that if they make a grace window of five minutes, everybody would be five minutes late and then they would have to extend the grace window. Yes. TSA and the FFA. No, the FFA is Future Farmers of America. (laughs) (laughs) They have nothing to do with this. The FAA and the TSA are not playing around when they say, once that door closes, that door closes. Okay, but what if they close the door and then multiple passengers have explosive diarrhea in their seats? You're telling me they're not going to open that door again? They had to turn a flight around, a flight that was in motion in the air. They had to turn it around because some lady had diarrhea on a plane. They had to turn the plane around. Do you understand you are in a sealed compartment? With recycled air. Oh my God. Can you imagine her embarrassment? Did they name her in the article? She outed herself on TikTok. Oh my God. (laughs) She had Taylor Swift playing in the background. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. And then it just said, when a whole Delta flight had to turn around because you had diarrhea. Girl, those are the kind of secrets you need to take to the grave with you. Listen, I'm taking lesser secrets to the grave with me, okay? So... For real. But yeah, the thing about Hadley is that she's late for everything. And then she's not just late for everything. She's one of those people whose phone is always dying. Not only is Hadley the phone is dying, running late, hot mess express. She's running late for her flight to London for her father's wedding. So you would think that she would have, I don't know, thought this through a little more about what time she needed to be at the airport so that she doesn't miss a flight for this very important event. Maybe she did it a little bit on purpose Mm. because she's not too stoked about her dad's wedding. She has some daddy issues regarding the divorce. Right. So maybe 
a little bit on the inside, she wanted to miss it. I never had to deal with attending my dad's weddings, even though he remarried about three or four times since he divorced my mom. I never had to attend a single wedding, which I appreciate. The only thing I'm mad about my parents' divorce about is the fact that they waited till I was an adult and I didn't get two Christmases. That's bullshit. Now that Hadley has missed her flight, she needs to catch the next flight. And in the meanwhile, she needs to charge her phone because her phone is about to die, as always. She has an hour and a half between when she rebooks her flight to when it takes off. And so she goes to the mobile phone, to the cell phone charging station, like the little desk they have at the airport. But the one she goes to is dead, like it's not working. So this cute boy with an accent next to her is like, hey, you can use my charging cord. Yeah, he offers her the charger and they are flirting hardcore. She's like, oh, I usually don't share chargers until the third date or something. She's shooting her shot immediately. She is. And listen, she's making those shots because he's shooting his. All right. Mm -hmm. Just balls flying everywhere. They're going back and forth. It's really cute. Like the banter is bantering. Mm -hmm. Okay. The banter hits. But you know what I realized too Mm. is how when you're in your early 20s and you meet someone, you're not worried about whether they're secretly married with kids. Do you know what I mean? Like that doesn't cross your mind. Right. Luckily for Hadley, in this case, British dude, Oliver, is in fact single. He is. Isn't he so young looking though? Okay, he looks super young, but also, tell me if I'm wrong, he kind of reminds me of Lip Gallagher from Shameless. Okay, I see that. It's Lip Gallagher LaCroix. It has the essence of Lip Gallagher. There's something about the facial structure. It's one of those things where like, if they were actually brothers, I can be like, okay, I can see it. Like they're not twins, but maybe cousins. So Oliver and Hadley, they get to talking. He offers her his charger and then they go and they get something to eat at the cafeteria. And here's the thing. This girl just Mm -hmm. missed her flight. And if I was her, I would not leave the freaking terminal. Do you know what I mean? Like I would be sitting right in front of the gate. Directly. I would be sitting like on the gate agent's lap. Like, (laughs) I'm not leaving. I won't miss this flight. Especially because now that she has missed her flight, she's not getting in until 10 a.m. and her dad's wedding starts at noon. Right. She's going to have almost no time to get to her dad's wedding. But then also she had to buy more expensive tickets. Apparently she had to upgrade Mm -hmm. to business class, which apparently on international flights, business class is really comfortable. I've been in business class just for like regular domestic flights. And it's like literally you get like three inches of extra leg room. I have tiny legs. So the leg room makes zero difference to me. So at the cafeteria, these two are getting to know each other a little more. And it turns out he's on the same flight. Like they're going to be on the same flight together. Oliver learns that Hadley is going to her dad's wedding in London. And then she Mm -hmm. learns that Oliver is, he's studying at Yale. He actually drops that. He he does a little status drop. Mm. Like, oh, I'm studying math at Yale. Slay. He, Oliver is a math nerd. He is studying um, statistical inference. Yeah. And so it seems that because of what he's been through in life, which is he, his mom had cancer and he had a lot of surprises in life. And we hear this from the narrator, not from Oliver himself, but we learn that he became very obsessed with statistics because he kind of saw it as Mm -hmm. a way to make life more predictable. And I'm like, girl, just get some tarot cards, you know? 
Honestly, with the way statistics are, sometimes you might as well have tarot cards. Oliver is a math nerd and Hadley has this really free spirit vibe going for her. Mm-hmm. And Oliver definitely has like a dry cleaner. You know what I mean? Like they are not the same. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But they have like similar sense of humor. And like, let's be 100% real. When you meet someone like that and you're instantly interested in them, it's not because of their personality. It's because they're hot. Like, it's really just that. Listen, Oliver is really good at getting information out of Hadley without sharing basically any. I know. I was thinking that too. So he learns like about her dad's wedding and that her parents are divorced. And she even shares her three greatest fears, which are dentists, small spaces and mayonnaise. Like, how can you be afraid of mayonnaise? Well, see, he also hates mayonnaise and they're like, oh, my God, it's fate. Okay, but yeah, I get (laughs) hating mayonnaise, but I don't understand mayonnaise being up there in your list of fears right under small spaces and dentists like that doesn't make a lot of sense leave mayonnaise out of this listen the dentist doesn't even top my top 20 fears yeah like i have a whole lot before that like being kidnapped murdered and trafficked um being buried alive that's a good point that this is a mirror into how innocent and young they are that her biggest fears are dentists and small spaces and mayonnaise. It's like, oh, baby girl, life is going to catch you off guard with those fears. Have you ever thought about being trafficked in an airport? <laughs> have, you ever, like, <laughs> have you ever thought about that this guy you're talking to might be the head of a trafficking organization? Did you ask him for his last name? It might be Epstein. You don't know. Like you literally didn't even ask. First of all, she has not asked him for his last name. Yeah. Also, listen, have you ever considered of being falsely convicted for a crime you didn't commit to being sentenced to death? You know what? Especially with the new technology that they have nowadays, which is like touch DNA. I am constantly paranoid Mm -hmm. anywhere I go when I'm even shopping at home goods or something and I pick up something heavy and I put it down and I wipe my fingerprints off of it because I'm like, oh, my God, what if someone gets murdered with this and my fingerprints are on it and I don't have an alibi because I spent most of my days by myself. Well, that's why you keep your cell phone location on so they can ping your house. Yeah. Good talk. Good talk. Anyway, so the only thing that Oliver really reveals is that he is conducting research, like he has a research project, but he doesn't really tell her what that research project is. Like you said, he's not sharing much about himself. It could be the statistical probability of luring young women into crime. You know how they say in airports not to leave your bags unattended? It's because someone could slip something in your bag and then Mm -hmm. you catch the rep. Girl, she needs friends like us. She's not nearly worried enough. (laughs) You know what? I love this free spirit vibe you have going, but let me ruin it for you. (laughs) So Hadley sees Oliver carrying a garment bag. So she assumes that he's also going to a wedding. She's like, oh, I'm going to a wedding. Same as you. And he's like, uh, okay. Yeah, he doesn't correct her. And I just have to say, Again, how naive she is to think that the only place someone wears a suit is to a wedding. Like I could think of multiple places people wear a suit, an FBI interrogation, a funeral, a criminal trial, a criminal trial or like a mafia meeting. You know, I feel like mobsters wear suits. Have you ever seen mobsters in movies and stuff not in suits? 
Exactly. Girl, red flag. Listen, Oliver is all red flags and she all she sees is a carnival. Okay. <laughs> We're just kidding. Oliver is, there's no red flags with Oliver. He's yeah. sweet, bright eyed, bushy tailed. While they're getting their dinner in the food court and they're talking, they lose track of time. And Hadley almost misses this flight too. They have to sprint back to their terminal, back to their gate. And they're like the last two people to board the flight. And at first I was thinking, of course, they're going to be sitting together, right? Like that's how these movies go. But Hadley is sitting in her business class seat. Oliver goes all the way to the back with the peasants. Right. Planes that fly internationally tend to be very large. Mm -hmm. So they have the first class, the business class, and then the commoners in the very back of the plane. Do you ever notice that in movies, anytime they want to show the distinction between like first class seats and economy seats? Side note, I like how they don't call it third class. I think it's too reminiscent of the Titanic. They're like economy, <laughs> like people who are good with money, budget, the budget seats, couponers. The poor. <laughs> it's giving poor. <laughs> they, really, they really mean poor. Speaking as two people who only fly economy, I just love how it's portrayed in movies. Do you notice how they always have people coughing because they want to show that like these people are obviously diseased and poor. Right. The back of the plane always just seems like so crowded. It's honestly like one step above cargo from the movies. (laughs) Yes. There's a baby crying. There's somebody coughing. Yeah. The floors are sticky. That's how they portray (laughs) it in the movies. Oh, by the way. So the narrator is one of the stewardesses. Like she is one of the flight attendants. Mm -hmm. The narrator was also... The gate agent that rebooked Hadley's flight. That's right. The narrator is one of the stewardesses. And when Oliver sits down in his economy seat, he's like, hey, my seatbelt is broken. The stewardess tries to close it and latch it and it doesn't work. And she's like, well, I'm not supposed to move you up to business class, but it's the only other available seat. So follow me. She sits him down next to Hadley. And of course, they're making googly eyes at each other. They're so excited. And then the narrator tells us that in this flight, which is going to be six hours and 47 minutes long, that these two are going to fall in love with each other. And I'm thinking, this is a red eye flight. They're going to sleep for at least five hours. So you're really talking about like an hour and 47 minutes that they're going to get to know each other and fall in love. That's the window we're working with here. You know what? It is called love at first sight. They were already in love. Honestly, I didn't need an hour and 47 minutes because I was already in love, you know? (laughs) Right. Mafia or not. As the plane is taxiing from the gate to the runway, we have Hadley who's reading the the flight safety stuff. Mm -hmm. And Oliver's kind of making fun of her. He's like, I've never seen anybody read that. Hadley says, luckily you're sitting next to me. So if we crash, I'll know what to do. I always read the safety instructions. Like planes do fall from the sky. It does happen. Statistically, if that plane falls out of the sky, we're going to die probably. So, Mm. you know, the safety instructions aren't going to be very helpful when you've incinerated on impact. I know. It's interesting you say that because... Oliver is a statistical prodigy, like he just memorizes all these statistics. Mm -hmm. So you know that he knows that statistic, but he doesn't tell it to Hadley because she's obviously terrified. And as they are taking off, it's always one of the scariest parts of the flight, like takeoff and landing. And so she grabs his hand. And it's this very cute moment of him being there for her. While they're taking off, 
Oliver and Hadley are holding hands and he's trying to distract her. He's asking her favorite color, her favorite animal, her favorite food. It's funny because he says that his favorite animal are birds and she's like, birds shit everywhere. That's weird. To be fair, most animals shit everywhere. It's only humans to have a designated shit area. And house cats. And house cats. And maybe a few other domesticated animals. Yeah, only domesticated animals have designated shit spots. Yeah. And that's only like half of them. So during this flight, Hadley and Oliver, again, are getting to know each other. But it's mostly Hadley opening up to Oliver. But at one point, he does reveal that his mother had cancer. She fought it. And now it's come back. And when he tells Mm -hmm. her this, he does this weird thing where he just gets this mysterious like shadow in his eyes. And he looks at her and he says, you know, you're dangerous. Like, I'm too honest with you. Isn't that red flaggy? Listen, if this is what you consider being honest, considering you've revealed like two personal things about yourself, I have other questions to be completely honest it just kind of hit weird the way he phrased it where he was like you're dangerous i'm too honest with you why is it dangerous to be honest oliver you know what are men afraid that if they're like i was totally straight i was a straight married man and then i talked to my friends about my feelings and now i'm gay (laughs) like that's not (laughs) that's not how that works so oliver is very cagey and you know what though i don't exactly blame him because she's a stranger she doesn't know him and also she seems very content in just talking about herself she's not really Mm -hmm. pushing him to get information she's not trying at all no she's not trying at all but they spend the flight talking she dozes off at one point he's already changed into his pajamas and his pajamas literally have like little fishies on the shirt have you ever seen someone change into their pajamas on a red-eye flight because i've never seen that i've never been on a red-eye flight I've been on several red-eye flights and I've never seen a single person change into their pajamas. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying. You know what? He came prepared. He came prepared. He even has an eye mask. Yes. They talk for a little bit longer. They both get up to use the bathroom. They're standing outside of the bathroom and there's some space between them while they're waiting for the person in there to finish up. But then the flight attendant, the one that we're assuming is fate here, Mm -hmm. she scooches past them and pushes them together a little bit. Hadley reaches down and grabs Oliver's hand and like their fingers are tangling together and he leans in to kiss her and then the bathroom door opens and I'm not gonna lie I was a little mad well yeah they had this very tense moment where they're just millimeters from each other's lips and they're about to kiss and then they get interrupted but I just want to say that the end of an airplane aisle beside the bathroom is the least romantic place you could ever be because especially imagine this is an international flight that's been in the air for probably for five hours it smells like death like i guarantee you that bathroom that bathroom smells like death you know what they should definitely invest in some poopery yes for planes you could make this giant hunk of metal float in the sky but you can't make the bathroom not smell like a pile of dog shit. Like, I don't get why our priorities and technology are not about helping people poop in peace. Like, we should make this a priority. That's not innovative, okay? (laughs) Getting a plane in the air and to fly, that's innovation. Making poop not smell so bad on plane? Not innovation. Not innovation. You can't, it's hard to get, it's hard to get investors. Yeah, it's hard to get investors behind that one. Do you know what this tells me is that the problem is not big enough, that the smell is not bad enough. If we want solutions, 
we have to be part of the problem. (laughs) 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 We must make the problem worse. Anyway, just a, a few little intrusive thoughts there. Must shit on planes more. If they like had to la- emergency land a plane because a lady diarrhea everywhere. There is a line. There is a line of like tolerable smell. Like the lady crossed it. <laughs> so I'm just saying we're almost there. Right. Well, they go back to their seats and Hadley's obviously flustered. She is blushing. She is. She has to splash some cool water on her face. And she's like, oh, mm-hmm. OK. All right. She goes back to her seat you know they fall asleep and the next kind of scene is them being woken up by the captain stating that they're making their final descent at this point they don't know each other's full names they don't Mm -hmm. have each other's phone numbers they have no way to get in touch and they're about to land and separate and the narrator tells us that if they don't get each other's information they're never going to see each other again yes he asks Hadley where she's going and she says she's going to shortage um, he says he's going to Peckham. Hadley makes a joke about not meeting the family until the fifth date. And he goes, oh, you slept with me on the first date. Oh, my God. I am getting flustered. I'm like, kiss, 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 kiss. Yeah, they're the chemistry's there. They're really cute. They're young. Their biggest fears are mayonnaise and getting a statistical analysis wrong. Like, this is peak innocence, you know? It's refreshing. The peak innocence is refreshing. They leave the plane, and there's one line for British passports and another line for foreign passports. So they have to separate. They wait until they're at the point of where they have to separate before Oliver asks Hadley for her phone and he puts his number on there. He doesn't save it. He just puts it into like the dialer Mm -hmm. and then her phone dies. Yeah. And he had asked her, he had said, hey, can you like text me so I have your number? And then he walks off. And when she looks down at her phone, she first of all drops it. It cracks. The screen cracks. Mm -hmm. And then the battery is dead. She didn't save his number. She doesn't have his number anymore. After customs... Also, the customs agent is, again, the narrator. Mm -hmm. And she says, did you get his number? And Hadley's like, what? And the narrator's like, the person you're staying with. Mm -hmm. Oliver leaves. And then Hadley, after customs, Hadley goes out and she looks around for Oliver before she gets in her taxi. Yeah. But what Hadley doesn't know is that Oliver tried to wait for her also. He also tried to wait and he had to leave because his brother was being a tool and playing loud music at the airport. Like, who does that? His brother's a DJ, apparently. And he decided that the airport was the best place to blast like a huge speaker. So yeah, so the two separate. And at this point, they don't have a way to get a hold of each other. Oliver keeps looking Mm -hmm. at his phone. He keeps waiting for the text message to come through. But nothing comes through. He doesn't know that she doesn't have his number anymore. So I think as far as he's concerned, she just decided not to text him back, which like has to be a little traumatizing for him. And also what he doesn't know is that he literally missed her outside the airport by seconds. Yeah. As he closed his door and his brother drove off, she got into a taxi right in front of them. Right. So Hadley makes it to the wedding with seven minutes to get dressed. And let us remember that she just got off a red eye flight. She looks too good to have just got off a red eye. 
I would look like a raccoon that got run over by a lawnmower. I would not be okay. No, absolutely not. She still looks bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. She shows up and they get her ready in 17 minutes. The wedding is running 10 minutes late. And let's be real, it's Hadley's fault. Like, it's all Hadley's fault. Yeah, but honestly, like 10 minutes late is not that big of a deal. I guess not. Honestly, I don't think guests are really watching their watches. Like, what's happening 10 minutes right. is not, it's not that much. But Hadley has never met her dad's fiance. And obviously her dad's fiance is lovely. So Hadley is annoyed by that. She really wanted to hate her. Apparently there's a huge gap between the ceremony and the reception. There's a four hour gap. I wonder if that's a British thing because here in America, we have receptions immediately following the wedding. Like there's like a cocktail hour, but it's pretty much right after the wedding. Listen, at weddings, I go to the ceremony, I go to the reception, and then I normally dip halfway through the reception. Anyways, so Hadley is at the cocktail half day. And again, the bartender is the narrator. She's just in the background, just completely going unnoticed, even though she's like this gorgeous goddess. But okay. I know. But there's a couple that are wedding guests. Hadley overhears them telling Charlotte, her dad's new wife, that they're just heading over to Peckham House because poor Tessa is sick. She fought cancer for eight years and it came back and they're having a memorial for her. You know, and then she talks about how one of her sons even had to come back from America. Yeah. So Hadley realizes this is Oliver's event that he's going to. It's not a wedding. It's a memorial for his mom. Then we get some sneak peeks into Oliver. Mm-hmm. While Hadley is rushing on a bus, Hadley tells her dad, hey, I have to go do something. I'll be back. BRB. Yeah, BRB in four hours. <laughs> she gets on a bus. Meanwhile, we see Oliver, who's with his family. And while this is his mother's memorial, his mother is alive. It's a living memorial. I love the idea of living memorials because you know what? Like, I think a lot of the grief that comes with losing someone is like the regret of what you wish you would have said and things you wish you would have resolved. And it's like, hey, baby, let's Mm -hmm. talk about this. Like, especially me, I love unpacking shit. Like, let's do this. Right. Oliver's mother, Tessa, as she's introducing herself and what the party is for. By the way, it's a costume party. It's not even a costume party. It's like a live musical. So she required everyone to dress up as, you know, Shakespearean era people. And people have to put on a show for her, which I think is a little much. Like, can you imagine? It's like, hey, I'm dying, Courtney. I need you to fly over here and put on a costume and dance for me. I do it for you. (laughs) I do it for you too but i'd be like this crazy bitch as i'm like twerking in my gown (laughs) (laughs) tessa oliver's mother says something that was really sweet and sad she talks about how she doesn't want she wants to hear all the nice things people have to say about her and that this is a party and to have fun and most importantly before they leave to not forget to say goodbye can you believe how awkward it would be if you leave a living memorial and you forgot to say goodbye to the person that's dying Oof, you don't get another one of those. You know what I mean? You'd have to turn around. You'd have to go back. <laughs> You'd have to go back and hope they didn't die yet. Right? Oliver's in a Macbeth costume and Oliver's not doing too good. He is trying to be there for his mom, but he's angry with her mm-hmm. that she's not continuing with treatment. And Oliver is frustrated because he knows the statistics and he knows that she could milk more life out of this disease if she was under treatment. And his mom just tells Oliver, 
Yeah. And I would be sick the whole time. Chemo is rough on the body, man. Mm -hmm. Getting another six months with chemo is like six months of your throat and your ears burning because chemo is essentially poison. You're poisoning your body. And his mom just doesn't want to do it. And Oliver just can't wrap his head around why. Yeah, I can understand, though, him being her child, thinking like, why won't you do this for me? Like, why? I think from his perspective, it looks like she's choosing to die. Whereas from her perspective, she's choosing to live. Yeah. Oliver has a little bit of a breakdown by himself. He's espresso depresso, as any of us would be. Yeah, fair. Hadley gets there. She meets his brother and then she meets his parents and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought this was a memorial. I'm just surprised. And Oliver's mother says, oh, that I'm not already dead. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) I totally get why you would think I was dead. It's my memorial. Yeah. She meets his parents. She talks to them. And then Oliver sees her from the doorway when he comes in and they lock eyes and they stare at each other. And then they meet in the middle and they give each other the biggest, strongest. It's probably one of the most, oh my God, I needed this hugs I've ever seen in my life. I know. It was a very emotional hug. Do you know your body releases so many chemicals when you hug someone, like really Mm -hmm. hug them? And that's what they're doing. Uh huh. They're getting their Lexapro in, you know, for the day, which he needs. Remember how getting dopamine used to be as simple as hugs? Mm-hmm. When you're a kid. Yeah. See, little kids understand that. Like my son, whenever he's upset, he just comes to me. He says, I need a hug. Like kids intuitively understand that. But as adults, we think it's weird because it is weird, right? Like you're at the store and you're sad because uh-huh. they ran out of the thing you went to go buy. You can't turn to the attendant and be like, I need a hug. You know what I mean? <laughs> you just have to like walk around with a deficiency of, of dopamine. You know, half of me is that would be such a good thing for society if we could just be like, I need a hug. Mm -hmm. But then I imagine what would happen if I'm at the store and somebody turns to me like, I need a hug. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, all right, let me find you somebody. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What if they made like hug machines where you could go put a quarter in and then get a hug? Okay, so ChatGPT, which most people are familiar with now, it's a language AI model, Mm -hmm. which is incredible. ChatGPT now has a voice to text option. So you can literally talk to it. You can speak to it and it responds with an actual voice that you choose. But it sounds like a person. It doesn't sound like a computer. And everything it's saying is completely unique. I'm just, I literally was thinking like this could solve the loneliness epidemic because people are going to start falling in love with ChatGPT. You know what? That's getting a little uncomfortable for me because on one hand, it solves a problem, but I just have this like horrible dread of people are going to start trying to fuck ChatGPT. Well, like, I mean, it's a thousand percent. And 15, 20 years from now, are people going to be dating robots? And is that going to be normal? And then it's going to be us, millennials. We're going to be the new boomers. And we're going to be like, that's not a real person. And our kids are going to be like, mom, you're so racist. Like, it's a real person. Is it ethical? Can a robot consent? I think if it's programmed to consent. But is that actual consent? Because it was programmed to do that. Girl, this is a rabbit hole. We don't have time to go down. Right? Anyways, so Oliver and Hadley hug and then they go outside 
and they're sitting out by like a river and they're talking and Hadley's checking in with Oliver. She's like, are you okay? Like, how are you doing? I'm so sorry that this is happening. I spent the whole flight complaining about my dad when your mom is literally dying. Hadley tells Oliver, she's like, you can't distill life down to statistics. Life is Mm -hmm. not just a bunch of statistics. I feel like Oliver doesn't like that doesn't compute for him. He's like, what are you talking about? Like it literally is. (laughs) Literally, life is statistics. Actuary science is actually about the statistics of life. Math is so bizarre to me. It's really bizarre how it's almost organic. You can calculate Mm -hmm. things about the universe. You can calculate things about physics. Like that's hard to wrap my head around. You can calculate things about fate. Yeah. Oliver says to Hadley, what do you want from me? And she said, I just want you to be honest. And he leans in to go kiss her and she pulls away. And she's like, I'm sorry. I just feel like it's not the right time. And he goes, that's the most honest thing I've done all day. The thing is, like, she's trying to get him to share his feelings and he's still not doing it. And this time she Mm -hmm. kind of pushes a little harder and he snaps at her and he says, maybe I don't want to spill my guts out to some girl I met on a plane. The gut punch. Hadley takes it like a champ, though. She's like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have come. And she's like, you know, I'll see you later, I guess, or whatnot. You know, she awkwardly says goodbye and then leaves. Oliver is hit with this instant regret. He can't go after her because it's his time to give his eulogy, to give his speech. And so his brother pulls him back inside. Mm -hmm. Right before they get into the building, the narrator pops up as a a guest Mm -hmm. of the memorial. And she says, oh, I think you left your bag. She's holding up this red book bag. But it doesn't belong to Oliver. It belongs to Hadley. He starts to say, oh, no, that's not mine, recognizes it. And then he's like, thanks. Meanwhile, the narrator is like 19% of people walk away from the love of their life. Mm -hmm. And Oliver is about to do that same thing. Listen, Oliver and Hadley have fate working overtime, all right? She Mm -hmm. is putting in the work. I know. I mean, if I was her, I would have given up at this point. Okay, so Oliver gets pulled in, he does his eulogy, and he has the book bag at his feet. So he didn't even have time to drop it off anywhere. And as he's up there, he starts his eulogy talking about statistics, like the statistic of this, the statistic of that. And then he looks down at the bag and he stops. Yeah. And he says how he tried to sum his mother's life up with numbers because that's what he does. He's a numbers guy. But he realizes that his mother's life and her impact can't be reduced to numbers. Yeah. But it can. (laughs) Technically. Technically. While Oliver is giving his eulogy, Hadley goes to go back to her father's reception but her phone's dead again she's wandering alone in a foreign city without identification and with a dead cell phone right because she realizes she left her backpack back at the memorial but then also she doesn't Mm -hmm. even know how to get back there because she's gotten lost and she can't pull up her phone for the gps she finds a little like cafe area it's like a little like farmer's market looking thing some kind person lets her use his phone she calls her dad and you know what kudos to her for memorizing phone numbers i know if you're going to be always late and have a dead phone i feel like memorizing phone numbers is the least you can do So she's able to call her dad and tell him where she is so that he can go pick her up. Hadley's dad is leaving 
his reception. That's a big deal. Yeah. And her dad and his new wife actually drive over to get Hadley. Mm -hmm. And her dad sits down and then she spills everything to him. She says how she met this guy on a plane and she found out that his mother was dying or mm-hmm. she thought he w- she was dead. She just felt like she needed to be there. And she apologizes because she's like, it doesn't make any sense. And her dad's like, no, that makes sense to me. And you know what? Kudos for dad because dad takes this all like a champ. Hadley even confronts dad. Like, why didn't you fight for me? Why didn't you fight for mom? Yeah. And it's his wedding day to his new wife. And she's <laughs> like, why divorce? And dad takes it like a champ. Dad's just, listen, love is a lot of hard work. And mom and I both just stopped putting in the work and we knew it was over. Yeah, it's really heartbreaking hearing her beg for an explanation from her dad. And I never really thought about it from the kid's perspective, how they might feel as though the parent gave up on them because It's like, Mm -hmm. this was our life and you walked away. You gave up on us. In Hadley's case, it felt like that because her dad went to a foreign country. Her dad didn't just move out. Right. Her dad skipped town and country. You know what I mean? The milk her dad had to get was really far away. (laughs) He He had to get on a plane. So there was no two Christmases or like two birthday parties like Mm -hmm. her dad literally moved to a foreign country and i can see how as a teenager it felt like her dad left her too it seems like that moment for them father and daughter it seems like it's a little healing because Mm -hmm. she's what she's 20 years old now she's an adult she's able to understand a little better now that it's not black and white Hadley says to her dad is that why you married charlotte because it's easier and he said no i just learned my lesson like His first marriage taught him how to correctly be in a relationship. And I think that's sadly the case with a lot of failed marriages. The thing is that second marriages actually have a higher rate of divorce than first marriages. Because first marriages... Do they? Just throwing that out there. But anyway, and again, it's just statistics, right? Like it's not Mm -hmm. a prediction and things defy statistics all the time. So while Hadley is having her touching daddy-daughter moment... Oliver still has her backpack. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So Oliver and his family are sitting around in a circle and they're going through Hadley's backpack. First of all, that's a huge invasion of privacy. Second of all, Courtney, like what would somebody find if they started going through your backpack? Like, I feel like there would be a lot of embarrassing shit in there. You're going to see my panties. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to see my night cream for my eyes. You're going to wonder why I have preparation H. Does this bitch have hemorrhoids? <laughs> I don't. It's for my under eye bags. Some like receipts from like a very lonely night. This bitch bought two boxes of wine. Like it's... <laughs> On a Thursday? First of all, it's so fucked up that they just sat around going through her shit. I don't know that. As a family. <laughs> As a family. Well, what they end up finding in there is the invitation to Hadley's father's wedding. So now Oliver has a way to get back to Hadley. And he does. He goes to the reception and he finds her. He does eventually. It takes him like an hour to decide. Yeah, I should do this. <laughs> What is he going to do with her bag? Put it with the other shit that he stole from unsuspecting people? Like, I don't... I don't know. He probably has a bag dump site at this point. Shit. What if he had opened the bag and just found like a bunch of illegal shit? (laughs) Like, what if he had opened the bag and there was like somebody's toe in a Ziploc bag and like a ransom note and like a 
bunch of like crazy shit. Listen, he's a numbers guy and he is head over heels for this girl. He's still going to go after her. I don't think the ending would have changed. <laughs> I think he still would have been like, let's go. Honestly, <laughs> if I were to open somebody's bag and find a toe, I would go there faster. Listen, I'm not mad. I'm not going to tell anybody, but I do have questions. I you know have what I questions mean? I need to know. Whose toe is it? How did you get it? Did you find it? Did you take it off of them? Okay, sorry. I'm so sorry about bringing up a, a severed toe. I don't know. That's just, you know, it's fall time. I am, I'm in my creepy era. It's just where my head is at right now. Rose was looking for a background noise show to just kind of listen to and watch throughout her day. And I suggested Criminal Minds, which is my current background noise show. So she is a season and a half deep into Criminal Minds. Yes, I love it so much. Okay, basically, Oliver gets to the reception. He finds Hadley and he tells her that he is, you know, that he's scared of being caught off guard. And that's why he uses statistics as an emotional shield because numbers Mm -hmm. are emotionless and they protect him from feelings. This is all she needs. She finally kisses him. And girl, is that a kiss? She goes for it. Vulnerability is how you get the girl. Right? He just gave her one little shred of personal detail. And she's like, okay, you earned my tongue. <laughs> um, and they kiss This is also where he admits to Hadley that the research he's conducting is on the statistical probability of love at first sight. And so they're kind of implying that he experienced love at first sight. And I just thought to myself, this is terrible for your research, to be honest, my man. Now you're like... You're now biased. You're hella biased now. Like your research is voided now because you are now a biased conductor of research. Mm -hmm. You can't conduct proper research on this topic anymore because you have anecdotal evidence. Yeah. R.I.P. his career. (laughs) R.I.P. his career. Yeah. In any case, we get a glimpse through the narrator of what their future holds. Yes, the narrator, our lovely goddess, starts telling us in her beautiful British accent that Hadley and Oliver share 127,000 kisses in their lifetime and they make love 5,000 times and Hadley holds Oliver's hand as his mother takes her last breath and Oliver holds Hadley's hand as she takes her last breath and then they both hold their daughter's hand when she takes her first breath as they marble over her tiny little fingers. So they're basically telling us that he outlives her. Listen, I'm not trying to make this dark right at the end, but like, how did she die? Mm, Because statistically speaking, women outlive men. So that's a little sus. I'm just saying. Statistically speaking, women do outlive men. And I'm just saying, like, where do they live? Do they live in England? Do they go back to America? He lives in America because he goes to Yale and she goes to NYU. So Mm -hmm. that part of it is not too hard to believe. Yeah, no, I think you're right. You know, just depending on where they're spending the holidays at, they'll have to rotate. Mm -hmm. I don't know. At the end, I loved this movie so much. Yeah, it was really cute. The actors, the casting, the chemistry, everything was a 10 out of 10. Like I said, it just felt a little too happy after you conditioned me for darkness. You were feeding me darkness and I was like feeling so cozy. And then you were like, boom, cute, cheesy love story. And I'm like, oh, my God, am I human? I don't remember my heart. You know what? 
I feel like we may have gotten a little too far away from our roots a little bit because we're both cheesy girls. We both are girls that love us some cheese. Yes. And so I feel like after, you know, a few weeks of creepy, I feel like we needed to get back to where we came from. I just felt like it was time. It was time. It's time. I appreciate that. Thank you for bringing me back. I'm going to keep watching Criminal Minds, though, because I can't stop. That show is so addictive. Same. Well, you know what? Next week, from the description of what I have planned for us, it's going to be more cheese. Mm. Love. So live, love, love. And you know what? I love it. My only complaint was that there wasn't enough red flags with Oliver. You know, I know. I would have liked a little bit of betrayal. <laughs> I think the movie might have just been a tad bit sassier. Yeah. Should he have actually been married? Okay. Should he have had a deep, dark secret? You know okay. what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm disappointed in the lack of red flags from Oliver. Or, or you know what? We're equal opportunity here. So I would have loved for Hadley to have had some more as well. Yeah. I know It wasn't toxic enough. Yeah. I noticed that the newer romantic movies, like this is a 2023 movie from Netflix. There's so much cheesier than the kind of the romantic movies we grew up with the ones we grew up with there was always like Mm -hmm. a dark twist in there and also this movie was based on a book called the statistical probability of love at first sight by jennifer e smith all right that is where our movie leaves us our teapot is empty for the day don't worry more is brewing in on the way we'll be back next week with another episode see you next time bye